It's one thing to say college isn't for everyone. That's probably true. But higher ed is for everyone. Higher ed these days means a variety of things. Education beyond high school. Welcome to Reality Check, a weekly podcast about anything and everything having to do with education. I'm Jeannie Allen, founder and CEO of the Center for Education Reform. We chose the name Reality Check because a lot of what you read about education these days is often wrong or misleading. If you want to know what's really going on in American education, from K through career, you're going to need a reality check. My guest today on Reality Check is the president of Purdue University, an increasingly global and innovative university in the Midwest that has done extraordinary things that I'm looking forward to talking to him about. Mitch Daniels is the former governor of Indiana. Besides driving a fundamental change across the state in all areas, under his leadership, the state legislature implemented a school voucher program, created and expanded charter schools throughout the state, implemented a performance pay system to help teachers get better wages, um, inserted themselves into trying to take over failing schools, gave broader authority to teachers, superintendents, and the list is endless. And so it is my pleasure to have a path-breaking leader on the show, Mitch Daniels. Welcome. Thank you, Janie. So, Governor, let's start with the with the big question. Um, we are in the middle of what looks like an increasingly uh, fast-paced and crowded uh, field uh, in the presidential elections. Democrats in the 2020 race for president are rolling out their policies in education. Uh, Kamala Harris wants to give the average teacher in America a $13,000 raise. Give me some early predictions about whether or not the Democrats' ideas will come up with any bipartisan support in Congress. One can always hope <laughs> we need bipartisan agreement on something these days. And I, I continue to think education, either higher ed or K-12, is a candidate for that. Um, there are some ideas I don't think are likely to, um, to be um, uh, embraced by people who – uh, care about either the improving the quality of education as opposed to just the amount of money poured into it, or people who are, uh, there's still a few of us who worry about the debt we're about to deposit on these young people we're trying to educate. And um, uh, your program is aptly named for a discussion of some of the proposals that are out there. They need a severe reality check, and sooner or later, reality will check them, I believe. But you know, if uh, if uh, uh, there were uh, ideas about increasing teacher pay that went to quality as well as quantity of dollars, I could imagine uh, that being something that people from uh, all sides of the of the uh, tracks could agree on. Yeah, that would be truly amazing. And uh, you know, talking about that, you know, you have been part of the leadership. A uh, handful of people across the country really been challenging higher education in ways that I think are being embraced by people of all sides. Soon after taking the helm at Purdue, you acted quickly to uh, reduce student loan debt by freezing tuition. You expanded programs that would allow people in all different walks of life to access schools. Tell us a little bit about those innovations, President Daniels. I don't know if they're innovations as much as simply bringing a, a, a more student-centric 
focus to things. I, I did say to my new colleagues when I got here that uh, uh, I thought that uh, uh, we needed to send at least some signal of sensitivity to the rising cost of education. Even then, Purdue was more affordable than most places, but uh, they'd raised tuition 36 years in a row like everywhere else. We uh, started with what I expected to be a one-year timeout. We've been able to extend it, so um, uh, we'll have at least eight years of no tuition increase coupled with some reductions in room, board, and books. Uh, it'll be less expensive to attend our university in 2021 in unadjusted dollars than it was in 2012. We didn't know we could do that at the outset. I incorrectly thought the market or perhaps public authorities would demand that we uh, that, that schools do something like that. hasn't really worked that way. But um, we simply – it has not – people ask about it all the time. Um, it has not been as difficult as I uh, might have thought. Um, it really just starts with asking the question – uh, how about we adjust our spending to the budgets of our students' families, not ask them to adjust their budgets to our spending? And has the impact been growth of enrollment and uh, people going to lots of different fields? Kind of what, what do you all see as the result? It has been uh, the, the former, and uh, that's been one uh, principal way we've been able to maintain a tuition freeze. Uh, we'll will be 15% or more bigger than we were at the uh, uh, when this all started. An interesting thing, Gene, we uh, the, the supposition here um, had been that uh, they needed to be somewhat more selective, and I think for a positive, not a negative reason. I don't. It, it wasn't really about ratings or these sorts of things. Um, it was, uh, I think, a sincere belief that to get the graduation rates up, they had to be slightly more careful about uh, who got in. It's Our experience has been really the reverse. We have grown substantially in size, but the quality, that is the academic readiness of every single entering class has been going up and up and up. And so um, uh, con uh, consequently, along with some other things we do very purposely to help students succeed, our uh, our graduation rates and persistence rates have been increasing, and uh, uh, they're still not where we want them to be, but they're going up steadily. And um, so we're at, for the moment, we're having it both ways, more students, but uh, also higher uh, success rate. That's fantastic. And, uh, you know, I know that when you started as well, you were looking a lot at the STEM disciplines. You had begun to think about expanding computer science and engineering. And then also, um, didn't you start a, a charter school also as well to kind of connect with the science fields? All those things are true. Um, we already were, based on our heritage, um, a, a fairly a STEM-centric university. We have, we uh, uh, made a strategic decision early on when I got here that this is what our state and nation needed more. Uh, a presidential commission had just recently uh, reported that the single biggest thing we needed to do for American competitiveness was train an additional 10,000 engineers a year. So I always say, well, Purdue University will handle the first 7 or 8% of that ourselves, and we are. 
Um, so more than 60% of our entering students now are in one or another of the STEM disciplines, and that's about the third highest number in America, as best I can tell. The high school is a little different. It does have a STEM focus, but the real purpose of starting what uh, this fall will be, we'll have two high schools, and the hope is, if we succeed, to build a state network of these charter schools. What that's about is achieving greater diversity in our student body. Jeannie, uh, um, you're familiar with the dreary and sad results across so much of K-12 education. Mm -hmm. Let me give you the saddest single number I know. In a state that graduates, um, oh, 80,000 or more high school seniors every year, the total number of African-American students at the Purdue median, so not, not the top of our entering class, but the median of our admitted freshmen is uh, about 100 every year. That's the whole universe. Uh, the number for Hispanics is not too much more. Mm. And so if we want to have a properly uh, uh, balanced and uh, student body, if we really want to honor our mission by by uh, uh, recruiting and preparing first-generation students and low-income students, uh, we had to do something extra. And that's what these schools are about. They're, one, they're in the uh, in uh, neighborhoods chosen specifically for that demographic profile, and we hope to build a, our own pipeline uh, to Purdue uh, through uh, through uh, these uh, rather innovative charter schools. You know, Dreary is right, and your saying that and sharing and beginning to build this network of charters reminds. You know, me, as much as, you know, many of us are involved in this day to day, why it is so important to continue to create more options. I mean, a lot of people have this kind of ennui about education reform. Oh, my gosh, we've been doing this so long. Aren't there other things we should be doing? And yet the reality is we've made baby steps and a lot of progress, but we are still not um, providing access to the vast majority of students who need it. That's right, and uh, it's to me cruelly ironic that the the people who never go away, um, uh, who uh, uh, continue to uh, try to thwart and stifle and choke off uh, reform reforms of the kind you're talking about, uh, affect to be concerned about uh, upward mobility and society and inequality. But um, their reactionary policies are the most anti-poor, anti-minority, uh, anti-equality uh, measures one can think of. And it's a sad thing. I, I, don't, I think most of them don't realize it, how, how tragic the consequences of their reaction um, are. But uh, you know it and I know it. Yeah, and sometimes I like to give them the benefit of the doubt and say they're just not close enough to the action enough. But if you are, you see it. And then sometimes, of course, we know it is just about about power and money, sadly. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just I'm so happy in so many ways, and we all should be so gratified you're doing that. I know that when you were governor, we were super psyched that universities were actually part of the authorizing for charter schools. 
And we all talked about how also sponsoring them would create this really interesting fusion of K-12 to higher ed, because if you are going to be in the higher ed business, you also need to be much more focused on what's happening, you know, below those levels, so to speak. And more and more, we see your compatriots at ASU also are connecting and have and have schools. And, you know, this is sort of we are we um, our complete broken record constantly in states, in states, uh, Governor, when we're talking to people about university authorizing, because I just think it actually really helps amplify this connection between, you know, school to work, or as our friends at ASU GSV would say, pre-K to gray. Did you see that as a, did you think that that was sort of not going to be accepted well, or were you, were you gratified by what you saw when universities sort of jumped into the fray? I'm gratified, although uh, to me it's a matter of necessity. I mean, people in higher ed have a plenty to do in, the, in their own um, precinct, so to speak. <laughs> uh, there, there's plenty of, of change and, and improvement necessary there. Um, one could wish that it was not necessary to take steps like the ones, for instance, we've taken. But uh, again, uh, 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 I didn't want to wait. And it would have been, I think, futile to wait on natural circumstances to um, to deliver uh, more low-income students or as many more as we'd like to be uh, welcoming here. You know, we're two years from the first student graduating from our first high school, um, and um, so we don't know yet. Uh, the signs look awfully good, but taking students who have spent eight years in a I'll say struggling inner city public education system and having them ready for the Purdue University of today, four years later, mm-hmm. is something no one's tried to do before. I told my compatriots here, we're, we're, we're trying a lot of different new things around here. Uh, when you do that, you accept that uh, they won't all work, but this one has to work. And um, we're hard at it. The goal is that two years from next month when the first students um, uh, at that two-thirds minority school uh, walk across a stage somewhere, there's an admission to Purdue University in their diploma. And um, if we can make that happen, I'll be, uh, I'll be very happy. But it's a job I wish we didn't have to uh, add, frankly, right. to those that are part of our core assignment. Do you think competency-based education is a key to actually getting these students from having been way behind to where they need to be rather than just sort of artificial grades? I know in your open letter to the community, you talked a little bit about competency-based education in the new Purdue Polytechnical Institute, but where do you see a role for competency in education across the board? That's a very insightful question. It, the, the, the Purdue Polytechnic Institute, one of our 10 colleges, uh, is way out front in moving to competency-based higher education inside traditional higher ed. And that, in, that college is the sponsor of our first two high schools. Oh. Now, we have a college of education, uh, and under their new dean, they've indicated an interest in, in uh, also being more directly involved. But it is the, um, it is the polytechnic institute that started these two schools, and they are built on a similar model. The students schedule themselves. It's very, very different. It would take too long to define the differences for you, but it's Mm project-based, a lot of problem-solving from the very beginning there, 
and uh, students do move at their own pace with coaches who jump in as gaps and shortcomings are identified in an individual uh, student's progress. So, um, yes, I think this can be part of the answer. Uh, it's another reason why we need more options, more experimentation uh, in uh, of the kind that charter schools are associated with. Yeah, it's amazing, and I'm so glad to hear that that's what, that's what the schools are doing. When we talk to both educators and leaders of schools that are deploying competency-based tools and the students, it is remarkable their stories, Governor. Uh, we had a young gentleman from Iowa, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, actually come and tell his story on the Hill about being that kid that uh, got in trouble all the time and wasn't a good student and had been in and out of uh, juvenile detention. And when he found this particular high school that allowed him to develop his own project, he ended up actually picking the transportation grid of Cedar Rapids and the sort of creating a new zoning pattern, a transportation grid, and growing all sorts of business was his project. And you would never know, speaking to this young gentleman, that he had ever been in trouble. I mean, it was extraordinary, you know, how in a short time, I think, in, in like maybe the last 10 or 15 years, how much more we know about what it takes to get a student from sort of A to Z. And I wonder what you think about the ability for us to really accelerate that. I mean, you've, you've gotten your hands at some global things I want to talk about, but do you think it's just because of the technology that we now understand this more, or, or where do you see the cause of increasing opportunities like that? I don't know if this is directly responsive or not, but listening to your, your question, I'm just reminded how, uh, uh, again, sad it makes me that the system gives up on students too easily or too readily. Mm -hmm. You rattled off some of the uh, changes we brought to Indiana uh, K-12 education. and um, But the one that might be my favorite of all, I've, I've sometimes said if someone was going to repeal all of it, maybe someday somebody will try. <laughs> the, the one I would ho hope would be the last to go was a bill to prohibit what's called social promotion, meaning that handing along of students from one grade to the next, even though they, they demonstrably aren't ready. It's a way of giving up on the kid, dooming them really uh, to uh, likely uh, uh, failure or at least a life uh, where they don't realize their potential. The essence of that one had to do with reading at between third and fourth grade. And you're the, you're the expert, but I think it's pretty well established that that's a critical point. If a student can't read at fourth grade level, they're not going to, they're not likely to be able to handle the subject matter that comes afterward. Um, so as they say, learn to read so you can read to learn. Um, and uh, we prohibited in Indiana the um, passage of someone from third to fourth grade until they could pass the fourth grade reading test. And um fourth grade reading scores leaped immediately. I think we were either first or second in America in the next couple of NAEPs. Huge. Uh, it does work. It does matter. And um, I think sometimes the, 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 the folks in the system, and goodness knows, I know the challenges that they face, but the answer cannot be simply to throw in the towel on kids who do have the 
opportunity to progress, to give them the tools. And you and you forced people to have to think differently about how they educated because it wasn't it wasn't just okay to send them ahead. And then having options there as well allowed the entire system to begin, as you said, transforming your results. I mean, I think that um, at least a few years in a row, you guys have been top scorers on everyone's rankings and evaluations in terms of taking people who are at the bottom and and accelerating their growth. And you know, you never see this. And I and um, like I want to transition to what you guys are doing globally, but you don't see this or hear about this. Let's say in China or across the globe, you, you don't have other countries saying, oh, yeah, we, we just push our kids on regardless if they're, if they're progressing. So, right. so I always find that fascinating. I love our country, but I'm beginning to realize that so many other countries we can learn from. And you all started something called Purdue Global that really is expanding people's horizons global. Tell us about that. Yes, it's a, um, an online university that serves – uh, today, almost entirely Americans, but tomorrow perhaps a lot of people um, uh, else, elsewhere in the world. Um, it's really aimed at working adults. The astonishing number won't astonish you because uh, you you know these things, but it uh, amazes most people, and it did me initially to realize there are 35 to 40 million Americans, twice as many as all the 18 to 22-year-olds on our traditional campuses, who started college and didn't finish. <laughs> and their chance to move ahead in life is improved dramatically if they can get to the finish line of a degree. But they're in a, but they're certainly not going to be able to move to the Purdue campus or anybody else's and stop what they're doing. They're they're working, they're raising families, they may be caring for um, uh, other loved ones. And this is the one way for them to get uh uh, to uh, to that credential that uh, provably raises their incomes, opens up new job possibilities for them, and uh, many other good things. So that's what that's about. Uh, although we have a great academic reputation, a lot of people don't even know we're a public university. But mm -hmm. we're not only public, we're a land-grant school. And we were put here expressly to open up uh, higher ed uh, beyond the few who who um, uh, took advantage of it or could uh, back in the 19th century. And uh, these days, we believe we cannot honor that land-grant mission if we stop at age 22 or 22 plus some grad students. And uh, so uh, uh, just as we initially um, uh, opened uh, up uh, higher ed to uh, middle class and working class uh, uh, young people, and then later to returning vets after World War II. We have regional campuses. Uh, now uh, it's it's, what we, it's Purdue Global, and uh, we have 30,000 students today, and I, we think many more uh, eventually. Um, I've met a lot of these people, and you can't – it's hard to describe the difference it can make in their lives. It's so exciting. And you know what's interesting to me, kind of um, not ironic but iconic, land-grant – uh, university, and now kind of taking a page out of the world is flat, you're expanding what your land is. Well, that's a great way to put it. And um, and uh, as, as in everything else we've talked about, the implementation is everything. And uh, there are always obstacles and sometimes obstructionists um, to, uh, to, to uh, realizing the possibilities of some of these changes or 
uh, innovations, but uh, uh, this one's on us. Uh, I hope we're able to to uh, actualize uh, it fully, and um, if so, it'll be a very, very a satisfying thing, J- just as satisfying as, as watching the fabulous young talents uh, who will uh, be walking across the stage at our at our place next month. And also, all the things that you're mentioning, President Daniels, and my guest for those of you uh, kind of coming in and out is Mitch Daniels, president of Purdue, former governor of Indiana. This whole notion behind, and I kind of went off on a tirade on this recently in Forbes, that college isn't for everyone um, is, is kind of a cheap response to there are colleges who aren't doing their job. There are kids who aren't planning to do an academic four years. There are lots of jobs out there that need to be filled. But when we say college isn't for everyone, we're basically saying there are there's a dividing line and we somehow know that dividing line, whether they're in fourth, fifth, sixth grade or whether they're 30. And it seems to me what you're doing is you're saying there's some degree of higher education and it's critical that everyone have access and have an opportunity to achieve that. How do you feel when people make that statement? How do we help people understand that it's not an either or? I have the same reaction you do. I think it's one thing to say college isn't for everyone. That's probably true. But higher ed is for everyone. (laughs) Higher ed these days means a variety of things, education beyond high school. And it might not be. And for many students, it probably shouldn't be. The traditional and very expensive four years of residential, uh, uh, four years or more of residential uh, experience. There are other, there are lots of other uh, ways to uh, build on on uh, what one hopefully learned in the first um, 18 years of life, and we've got to get a lot better at uh, developing these other options and making them available and connecting young people to them. Um, there are a, a, there's an awful lot going on in higher ed at very high expense that doesn't add much of any value. I'm sad to say, um, there are things uh, being taught that probably aren't of much use, may not have much validity, um, and certainly the cost is exceeds the benefits in too many cases. But there are so many um, uh, opportunities, and people are devising new ones all the time for for people young and not so young to keep adding to what they know and to the skill base that they have. And um, I, I hope that uh, when people hear the phrase, college isn't for everyone, they they also uh, hear what should come right after. Such a great, such a great uh, way to end a show on important topics with an extraordinary gentleman who I have admired for years, Mitch Daniels, former governor of Indiana, Purdue University's president. By the way, folks, this is not your grandfather's Purdue. If you haven't looked at Purdue University lately, uh, look it up. Look up Purdue Global. See what's happening um, in this environment. Higher education is for everyone, and we cannot stop learning. Our world and our and our nation depends on it. Thank you so much, Governor Daniels, for being with me today. Well, Jeannie, uh, you're too kind, but I got to return the compliment. You have stood in the breach for a long time in, in education reform, where uh, too many people of idealism and uh, finally just give up and move on and uh, the system never does. And so it's it's been uh, essential that uh, a few folks like you did uh, 
persist, and I hope you always will. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this edition of Reality Check. You can subscribe to Reality Check at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in and never miss an episode. Visit us online at edreform.com and follow CER on Twitter at edreform and me, Jeannie Allen. I look forward to exploring the world of education with you and another prominent guest next time. See you then.